Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of the Pink Bike Podcast. This one's titled Grilling Levy About Trail Bikes. And if you haven't noticed, I've returned from curling camp. Today, we're going to talk field test trail bikes. But first, I've got a question for you guys. I spent the last month at curling camp practicing my my brooming and my swishing techniques as, well, I play skip. I don't know what position you guys play. Um, but we played a lot of ends. It was really good. Do you guys have a favorite indoor sport? Casimir, what's your favorite indoor sport? Uh, pinball, I think. I like pinball. Is pinball a sport? I don't know. Maybe, right? It could, <laughs> it could be a thing. There must be yeah. some professional pinball players, so it could be a sport. I like pinball. Yeah. If there's Highlight professional mountain bike writers, there's definitely professional pinball players, I would imagine. But what about pinball <laughs> yeah. media? Are they corrupt? Oh, they're definitely corrupt. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bought off. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what's your favorite indoor sport? Uh, I watch. I rewatched that uh, King of Kong documentary recently, so I'm going to go with don- competitive Donkey Kong playing. I also didn't know that was a thing. You choose Donkey Kong over Duck Hunt? Have you watched King of Kong? No. Oh, it's one of the best documentaries of all time. You need to watch All I've King been thinking Kong. about is curling, dog. It's all I think about 24-7. Well, there's no way you haven't thought about aliens in the last month. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think about aliens. <laughs> also, Starship launching tomorrow. So today's Monday. Hopefully, Starship is launching tomorrow on Tuesday, Casimir. Hopefully, that goes well. James, I know you can't mountain board inside. Do you like have a mountain board sim set up or something so you can mountain board like through the winter so you stay fresh? Uh, no, not invested in one of them yet. Um, I think you could take one to a skate park. I, I don't think the skaters would be very happy, but what's the what's the worst vehicle to drop in at a skate park on? Is it an e-bike? Besides a mountain bike, an no, e-scooter. One a one wheel a unicycle yeah no if somebody drops in to the bowl on a one wheel i'm actually pretty stoked that's impressive what about the skaters ball? aren't i'll tell you that much <laughs> but can, is it even possible maybe i'm not oh, sure i'm not gonna try but somebody i want to see it <laughs> there's a one wheel guy around town here i know he's a mountain biker and i see him ripping around downtown on his one wheel like going to the liquor store and shit it is awesome i kind of want one have you seen have you seen um uh oh god what's his name he has the the off road scooter. It's it's um it's Yoan's buddy, Yoan Borelli's friend. Oh yes, so yes I have. Scootering. He does some big moves on that. He like he I don't know if he did or he was gonna hit the Pemberton train gap or something. Like he's crazy on that. <laughs> oh please don't. You don't. Nobody should hit the Pemberton train gap on a scooter. I don't care how good you are. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just starting rumors here. Do it. Yeah, calling him out. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to the news. James, take it away with our $1,000 carbon fiber kids bike. Yeah, the Specialized launch, it's lightest ever bike, it's cheapest ever carbon bike. But as you say, there's just one problem. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's only suitable for riders up to 35 inches tall. Um, this is a new carbon hot walk. It's a Strider bike, um, costs $999, £999 in the UK. So kind of even worse for us. Um, carbon obviously makes it lighter. It should be better for small kids with their smallness and makes it more maneuverable for them. Um, it's also got specially made carbon bars. They're um, thinner um, for smaller hands. And uh, I like that there's a handle under the seat for the inevitable tantrum so you can carry it home. I think those um, are for Superman seat grabs. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you guys think? 
I like it. I like things that make people mad. And this made people so mad for like, I don't even understand why they got so mad. Like if you're a millionaire, a thousand dollars wouldn't be very much money. Dude, if you had kids, dude, you would. Just you don't have this. to be a millionaire. Do you know how much people spend on freaking baby strollers? I know. I used to work in a shop and we sold tons of those chariot strollers. It cost. No, no, no. More grand. than that. More than that. Yeah. It's insane. Like this, I know this seems crazy, but they're all toys, people. Even the bike that you ride, like they're all toys. So just get your kid a cool toy. Do we know how much it weighs? Four um, pounds. It's pretty Four light. pounds. Just yeah, over four pounds. Yeah. yeah. I've taken I, heavier shits than that. That is crazy. <laughs> four I, pounds. The temptation to write, to title that article as Specialized Launches Lightest Ever Carbon Bike for $999. <laughs> Why didn't we? Oh, man. Is that trolling? They're just, they're just starting to forgive us for, for the, uh, the Grim Donut April Fools. I yeah. think uh, Cycling Tips did that, though, didn't yeah. they? Fair well, to them. I wonder where yeah. they got that idea. Brian, are you are you gonna get one? No, you have a little person. I do have a little person. No, I don't know. I am re- like I am stoked it exists. I love how extra it is, but I also there are things that don't need to exist in this world, and that's one of them. Like really, I don't think no, it's any I extra think it's good. at all. I, like I think it. you're. Yeah. You, don't you have like a two thousand dollar coffee machine or something? I'm sure no. you do. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, have a, I, I have like a little hundred dollar Espo press thing. It's nice. Oh well. Like no, obviously, yeah. Like what's wrong you, with it? I is can it, justify a two thousand dollar coffee machine long before I can justify this. I okay, so three of us are going to buy it, and Brian's definitely not going to buy it. Yeah. But there you go. The, the, we should put on the record that, that three have, of us that don't have kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or a thousand dollars to spend on a car. <laughs> that too. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it is cool, and I I I do agree that all the people hating are. It's just kind of cynical. Like there are way dumber things than an expensive kids bike. It's just yeah. it's just dumb kid jewelry flex whatever. I'm sure they there's way dumber flexes. Yeah, there's probably a Gucci handbag for children that costs like two thousand dollars. That's like if if someone from Specialized is watching, please send me one. I want to review it. I'm dead serious. Send me one. I want to review it, and then it's going to go on my shop wall when I'm done. Send send two so he can use them as roller skates. Oh yes. <laughs> This will be good. <laughs> um, Kaz, you've been testing knee pads um, for the past six months. Um, these are sort of the more pedalable ones designed to be worn all day uh, without kind of causing too much discomfort. Um, on test, there was the Chromag Rift, the Pearl Izumi Elevate, the G-Form Pro Rugged, the Dekine Slayer, Fox Enduro D3O and Day and Easy Trail Skins. What are you looking for in a knee pad uh, in this category? I mean, basically just comfort, something I can just pull on, ride, and not even think about. Like, I hate thinking about my gear while I'm riding because I'd rather just ride. Casimir? Yes. What's your favorite? Just tell us your favorite. The Chromag Rifts are my favorite. Yeah. What made the Chromag Rifts your favorite? They just fit super well. They're a little bit, like, a little more padding than some of the other ones, like on the side of your knee, you know, where you always mm. hit your stem sometimes. A you have that funny there. little spot, like, bruise on the side of your knee all the time. I hate that. Yeah. So they're just super comfy and they just stayed up and I didn't have to think about them. So, okay. yeah. Maybe do you get that little bruise because you always pinch your seat when you do your suicide no-handers? Oh, my sueys? Yeah. <laughs> my suey threes? <laughs> I'm so bow-legged that it's really hard for me to pinch my seat. Like I tried to learn no-handers and I can't pinch hard enough. I have to like tip my knees in because it's weird. I pinch my seat all the time, but my feet and hands are still on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not in the air. <laughs> just bad form. Anyway. Were there other ones that you that you liked Kaz for other reasons? Um, I mean, honestly, like none of them were horrible. Like they all did their job, but I think uh, like those Pearl Zumi Elevates were nice because they kind of fit like a, 
a traditional knee warmer. It's like super high upper cuff, so it helps them stop from sliding down. Which which of those pads would you? Are any of them burly enough that you would wear in a park, or were they all pedal pads like stuff that I might wear? I mean, there's like it's one of those things. It's like whatever you feel like wearing. I wear these for everything. Like even if I go yeah. to the park, because they they gotta need to fit under your like pants if you're riding. So like a super bulky knee pad doesn't really fit under your pants typically. But like yeah, I'd ride the park with those Chromags or the uh, yeah. Those they're not hard too. shell pads, are they? No, they're all like that kind of D3O or some kind of similar material that hardens up on impact. So, yeah. Do you guys have a recommendation for a for a hard shell pad right now? I don't really wear those that much. No, I like I, to pedal my bike, so I would yeah. never yeah. wear a hard shell pad ever. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know it's yeah. like everyone says that the, the hard shell helps you skid better on the ground, but it's like, if I'm eating shit, I'm eating shit. Like, it's not that one extra millimeter of skidding is not going to make a difference to me. Also, Also, if you wear like pants over your pads then yeah that doesn't really matter kind of does it maybe negate it yeah, we've all but. had crashes though kaz we're like we say we're saying this i'm i'm agreeing with you but then we've all had those crashes where like the rock goes through the knee pad and you get stitches and if you had a hard shell pad that wouldn't happen but i mean that's happened to me like maybe two times in 20 some years or whatever yeah i mean i, mean, I think more than anything for me i just wear pads all the time and then it's just like i don't yeah. think about it and then when i do crash they help me out so. i gotta find some wood to knock on jesus yeah. <laughs> um there's been an update to the uh noi chill coating um it's been a while since its last iteration in fact the last one even ran on 26 inch wheels um this is now, you can either run it as 151 millimeters or 166 millimeter travel and Dura bike and the different kind of build kits determine um, rear wheel travel. Um, what did you guys think of this one? I've always been a fan of the way those things ride. I've always thought that they they look like they're like these huge heavy things, but when they, and, and they, they are heavy. To be, they, yeah, they are they are a little bit heavy, but they've always been they've always felt surprisingly well rounded to me. I haven't ridden this one, and I haven't even looked at this one to be honest with you guys. I've been on I've been at curling camp, <laughs> but they've usually made bikes that are surprisingly well rounded for something that looks the way that it does. So we'll see we'll see about this one. Kaz, are we yeah. getting one? Yeah, I've got one on the way eventually. I think in the next month or two, I should have. One. Are you riding that, or am I riding that? Who's riding? I'm going to ride this one. Yeah, it has okay. too much travel for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll get you something shorter travel. Thanks. Our poll this week uh, was all about standards, um, everyone's favourite topic, uh, which should stick around and which should go the way of quick-release skewers. Um, we asked you all to vote for your favourites and things like boost front and rear, 31.8mm clamps and threaded bottom brackets were among the winners, maybe as you might expect if you spend a lot of time in our comment sections. Um, were there any surprises in, in there for you guys? Not really. I'd say, I mean, I think a lot of it ends up being what people have on their bike. And if you have that on your bike, you don't want anything to change. So that's kind of the one you'd pick. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't more love for for the like 20 mil front axle, like 20, 20 by 110. Um, just, you know, for so many years, everybody was like, that's the one to go to. Why'd we go to that instead of boost um, in the front? So that was a bit of a surprise to me. I was also surprised a few people pointed this out in the comments that the the most popular mixture for bottom brackets was was 30 mil spindle with just threaded bsa which is which doesn't leave you a lot a lot of room for ball bearings yeah i think people are thinking that far ahead yeah (laughs) yeah bigger spindle stronger and it's like realistically when's the last time you saw a broken crank arm spindle like i Mm -hmm. can't think of one so hey kaz do you 
I know that we ride test bikes and we don't spend a lot of time on one bike, like a month, you know, usually ish. When was the last time you had a noisy press fit bottom bracket shell? Yeah, it's been a while. Like I don't, in my mind, that's not a deal breaker anymore, you know, because it's more service. Yeah. Most bikes these days tend to be like press or BB 92, which I haven't really had any creaking issues with. It was always those press fit 30 ones that tended to creak that bigger bearing. Um, that seemed like it was more prone to creaking, but yeah, lately I've, like common saw, I'm still riding that Meta TR, uh, and it's press fit. Oh, no, your trail bike. <laughs> yeah, it's my trail bike. It is. <laughs> okay, I'm just curious. I mean, yeah, I think the the big thing there, I think, with people might be the serviceability. Like you, you have a threaded bottom bracket. You can just take the damn thing out real easy. It's less smashy, you know. Yeah, it is nice. Like I mean, if if I had to pick, I would definitely pick threaded just for ease of service and like it seems silly to just kind of. Banging on things with a hammer when threads and tools exist. So, mm-hmm. well, so you we should do... come up with a new standard, just really big threads, like a huge shell, threaded press fit. A T47? No, bigger. Oh, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kaz, you would go in the in the BB pole, you would have gone with 24 mil spindle and threaded BSA. Yeah, yeah. If I could yeah. look with that yeah, style. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'd go back to ISIS. Yeah. I got all of that. Square taper is my favorite. I like square is better than shapes, but than other shapes. <laughs> um, finally, we've been inundated with um, absolutely loads of crazy videos this week. This seems to be the week of drop your must-watch edit. Um, so there was the, the Ridgeline one from Diatherton. There was Tomomi Nishikubo's Castaway-style trials edit. Um, Killian Bronze kind of multi-sport epic that had base jumping and fell running and no mountain boarding but it's still pretty good uh the fest sessions highlights as well i had no idea that had even gone on that fest sessions thing so that was really cool to to have as a surprise um it's been it's been a, a good week for for videos and um, did any of them stick out to you guys yeah uh, that ridgeline g atherton's ridgeline video was ridiculous just because the jumps were huge and the fact he's on a ridge means that wind would be super scary like I hate hitting jumps where there's even the chance that the wind can blow me sideways. And I feel like if you build giant jumps on a ridge, you're very prone to that. So that was Kazimer, Wasn't it you that was in Sedona and rode Chewy's line and the wind took your wheels out from under you and you ate yeah. shit at the bottom? Yeah, it was after. It was like going through that flat part. There was like a little, like a canyon on one side. And it was like basically flat. And I hit a little bump that was like one foot high. And then the wind just picked me up and smashed me on the ground. Like Yes. you have Yeah. Yeah, you, you have reason to be... Yeah, I, those so guys, like, another breed. I don't know how they do that. Yeah, and that I didn't job, watch I, any of the videos. I was too busy curling. But I know. Yeah, the last you go back and watch. Uh, yeah, at least go back and watch the ridge line. That is, yeah, insane. It's and it's kind of I don't know. It's a throwback for me. It, there was no storyline, and you can see all the other people in the video, like trying to like. Obviously, there's a bunch of support people and people digging, and some of them are filming on cell phone cameras and stuff. It's just. It was really just a throwback to, I'm going to go and dig a huge, insane thing and then ride it, and that'll be accomplishment in itself. It made me really happy. Yes. Yeah. That sounds good. I'll check it yeah. out. Check that one G out for is, sure. G is a boss. Although he, I did drop him that one time when he was Yeah, I'm a, But you know, yeah. now that you've shown him how to ride. Yeah, now that I've shown <laughs> him how to ride, he could do the Ridgeline video pretty good. So I'm going to check out that G Atherton video, but first we are going to move on to questions for today. Kazimer, the first one's for you. He called you out. He says, next podcast, he wants to know, how often do you guys ride your personal test bikes? First of all, what is your personal bike if you if you had one? And how often do you ride it? Yeah, I mean, right now it is the Commonsall Meta TR is my personal bike. Commonsall, they're letting me hang on to that for a while just to 
keep putting miles in on it. So I'm kind of using that. I've got a I'm testing a shock on the back. I've got a new fork I'm testing. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like my personal test bike, I guess. So I'd say I ride that maybe once or twice a week. I usually ride five days a week. And so I'd say I'd ride my own, like that bike, one or two of those days. And then the other ones I'm on, what are the other bikes I'm testing? Right. Yeah. Is it a good little like palate cleanser? Yeah, it's nice to have one bike that's like kind of consistent, even though things keep switching on it. But at least I know how the bike will handle for the most part. And it makes it easy when I like switch out the shock to feel the difference compared to whatever was on that before. But yeah, it is nice to have one bike that stays sort of the same ish. Right. That is nice. I've usually had one. Um, in the past, it's been thing like bin bikes, like the Ripley and, and other things. Uh, my personal ish bike right now is a Mondraker F podium, but it's a uh, pretty short travel. <laughs> yeah. That's not a pallet cleanser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a hundred mil bike. Um, and it's got some stuff on it. It's got some wheels and stuff on it, some brakes for testing and things like that. But uh, I don't really actually have like a, a personal, personal bike right now. What about you, Brian? Well, I'm not a tech editor, so I know bike, I'm, my I'm bike including is my you bike. anyway. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm being nice. inclusive, my... Brian. <laughs> hey, well, you were gone, so Kaz made me ride that EXT fork and uh, for some feedback. And that's man, you, your job isn't that easy. I mean, it's pretty easy, but it's not that easy. Now what I'm did stressing you think about... of that fork. Uh, How many I... times have you ridden it? What are your settings? How much does it weigh? Review is due tomorrow. <laughs> Video review. <laughs> Video. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give it 4.6 chili peppers out of five. Oh, impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, it's, I'm really impressed. I've only had, I don't know, three or four rides on it. Um, it's set up really well. It was really easy. Everything feels extra normal and invisible, which is nice. But now I'm stressing about, you know, what was my setup like on the 38? So I got to switch back to the 38 and mess around with the setup there a little bit. Cause right now I think I would, I'd keep it, keep the EXT if I had the choice. Um, this is on the front of your raw Madonna? Of the raw Madonna, yeah. Yeah. That thing is pretty trick. You should probably just keep that EXT fork on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't mind somebody else. I don't know. But there's so much pressure gi- giving giving a verdict. Ah! <laughs> what if I'm wrong and you, people on the internet find out I'm wrong? You give that <laughs> give that fork to me after. Yeah. I want to yeah, give that a try. Yeah. yeah. That's the plan. Hey, I got another question here for you, Kaz. Did you get that Cavins VHP-16? And what does VHP-16 stand for? VHP-16 stands for Virtual High Pivot. So the instant center of the bike, it makes it like a really high pivot, even though the, the pivot point is like in the a little bit above the mm-hmm. front chain ring. And 16 is because it has 160 mils of travel? I don't actually know where the 16 comes from. I probably should look back at all the things. That, maybe they made 16 prototypes. I'm not sure. Yeah. I didn't really follow the whole development story, but I know that they did run a bunch of articles where people could really like track the development of the bike. Um, but so it's aluminum. You've got, you've got it built up? What fork do you mm-hmm. have on it? Tell me about uh, it. Yeah, I got it built up. You know, just stuff I had kicking around. So I put a Zeb on it. Um, and what else do I have? Got a coil spring in the back. It came with a DHX2 shock. And yeah, it's just I got two rides in on it. So it's going to be kind of fun to experiment with it play and plow through everything because that's do you what have six do. piston brakes on it um no i have code ceram codes but then i had some trick stuff rotors so i put those on them because those are like the thicker ones and they look really cool and you're not supposed to be able to run a 180 millimeter rear rotor on this bike but i made it work because i only had the 180 rotor so i put that on yeah so. okay first impressions give me some brief first impressions i Wait, know we're gonna have why a couldn't sorry why couldn't you put a 180 rotor on the bike 
it's, uh, too it's big kind of designed too, too small. It's designed around okay, a, yeah. a 203 um, IS thing, but I made it work. So I was about to flip a desk. Like, no, no, no. It's, 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 it's designed right. I, I went kind of the wrong way. Like, you're supposed to have 200, <laughs> but I didn't have matching trick stuff rotors. So now that I wanted my rotors to match, I was being weird. But anyways, the bike is set up well now. It works. <laughs> also, um, Levy, are you going to be sending a letter, uh, cease and desist, given that it's pretty close to your suspension design uh, name? there the vhp 16 on the grim donut it's pretty close in your high pivot virtual I th- all they did was move the letters around <laughs> yeah i didn't yeah. see that yeah. what the heck <laughs> cavins what the heck <laughs> yeah uh but yeah no it, it works well so far it's super fun and like rough rough terrain um, surprise 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 yeah. yeah it's not crazy heavy either which is nice i i didn't really i weighed it once but i think it was like it's in it's below 35 pounds which is nice compared to that norco shore with the high pivot which was like 37 pounds so um pretty reasonable weight for pedaling and plus i did get to pick some of the like parameters like i was able to pick the reach and the c tube length and the head tube length so it kind of matched wait they made it for you well their program is like it's not fully custom but you just pick your reach number out of like a set set number of choices and then you pick your c tube length out of a set number of choices and then then they make the the frame Mm-hmm. So you could pick yeah. separate reach, so you could combine X reach with Y. Yeah. So I could have like, if I wanted, I could have like a crazy short C tube length and then a super long reach. But I just went, my numbers are pretty normal. What like they equate to a large? Like I didn't mm-hmm. go. That's pretty neat. Are they yeah. going to do that to everybody's bikes, or is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Is it stack two? Uh, head tube uh, length. Length. So yes, so that, you can you can increase your stack if you want. Did you pick so, any yeah. strange numbers, or did you go? Not really. Normal? I didn't really. Yeah, I went pretty normal. I could have probably gone with an even shorter seat tube, but I still was able to fit a two hundred mil post in there. So like that's perfect for me. So what about the back of the bike? Uh, you don't have adjustability there, and it does have pretty short chain stays on paper. It's like four twenty five or something, but because it's a, a rearward axle path, it doesn't feel super short. Like it's no like maneuverable, that but like, I wouldn't have. Yeah, like I wouldn't have guessed that it's that short um which is nice it just feels yeah so far feels pretty regular and fun but i'm excited to ride ride it more and um get it dialed in nice okay well that, well that's enough bike talk uh shred bc wants to know what everyone's ultimate dinner and dessert combo are he wants to know are you steak and potato people guys or do you prefer a light pokey salad he, maybe levy is a dessert before dinner kind of guy kaz what is your what are you going to eat you've gone you've done a big ride you're home you're going to eat a big dinner, and then you're going to have dessert. What is it? Go. Uh, I go like a fried chicken sandwich and then apple pie for dessert. I'd be so happy. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. James, what do you, what would you going to eat? Yeah, I'd go for like a Sunday roast with all the trimmings and... Um, a roast. Sticky toffee you pudding. Are like that. There, so right? British. <laughs> Jesus. Yorkshire pudding. Pick something and... else. <laughs> Fish and chips, then. Yeah, yeah fish and chips good. and tea. What's 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 game pudding? Um, James, I had some when I was over in the UK last. Oh, it was delicious, but I don't know what it was. It'd be like um, like wildfowl, I guess, like partridge or pheasant or bird um, pudding. Hair they, or they just like, like grind them up. You put meat pudding? in your pudding. So a, <laughs> a pie would be like pastry on the bottom and pastry on top, but a pudding is just pastry on top, and then you have it in like a dish. So it's, oh, like it's like a, a layer pie. of pastry and then um, oh. gravy and meat. Yeah, it was it was like really really nice. I think the, where were you there for that, James? Were yeah, that was there? when we went to see Berg Tech in yeah. uh, Macclesfield. So yeah, yeah. it was, it good was so good, real good. Book. It was so good. Yeah. Now I want that again. I'm That's gonna go with that for my main for my main course. Yeah, meat pudding. 
Is that your choice, it, Brian? Is yeah. that what you're picking? Yeah. I st- haven't decided on dessert, though. Probably, like, strawberry rhubarb crisp with some vanilla apple pie. That's pretty boring, but yeah, that's what that's what I want. Mm. Okay, well, I'm Two puddings. Go for... <laughs> Two puddings. Pudding for main course, pudding <laughs> yeah. for dessert. Meat pudding for for main course and candy pudding for dessert. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm not going to be too exciting. I'm picking nachos and then those foam candy bananas. Those things are amazing. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you know the ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know them? Yeah. They're one of the worst. They're one of the worst fake flavors. Like there are good fake flavors, but that well, is peach not. Peach is the best fake flavor. Yeah, peach always. is the best fake flavor for sure. The banana things are just spongy horrible. They're almost no. as bad as fake grape. Fake grape is the worst fake flavor. No, I've never I love seen fake grape. fake grape candy. Ugh. Yeah, they're the best. They're like they're hard candy, but then you chew and bite them and they're kind of chewy in the middle. I they're only get like soft the, candies. Yeah. That's why. Alexander Anyways. The grape. Alexander the Grape, I think, is the name of the candy. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> We've got another tech question here. This one's from Mikey MT again. Uh, he says, Hi Pivot Bikes. Will we see more mainstream brands making these in the future? The answer is yes, from a few of them. I think that there are mainstream brands making making high pivot bikes. We've got Norco with the shore. We've got Commonsol. GT. GT. Like, yeah, and we've seen Forbidden. And then we saw, last year we saw Cannondale with that prototype that was floating around. Mm-hmm. If that comes out, that'll, that'll be like one of the bigger companies to join in if they do that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think but, maybe the question is more about on smaller bikes because oh, like trail bikes, yeah, like it's it's pretty clear mm-hmm. that they're it's, so. The, yeah. My my issue is is that they oftentimes when I get a high pivot bike, I've been on a few lately, they come across as kind of like more focused on, uh, they're less well rounded. And I think there's less market for something like that. You know, pe- more people are going to buy a trail bike that's like the Stumpy than they're going to buy a trail bike that's like the Deviate or the P-Train. And even if they cost the same and weighed the same, the the performance is just different on the trail. And the performance of a high pivot bike is really impressive in a lot of ways, but it's never been as well-rounded as um, just a, a not high pivot design usually. Yeah, I think with that design, you have trouble making it feel like you want that like plop, poppy, snappy feel that you, you kind of want from a trail bike. Like especially even on like more flowy trails or when you're hitting little jumps and stuff, a high pivot bike tends to want to feel like it's just stuck to the ground. Where you can, if you go with a more traditional layout, it's a little easier to make it have that snappiness. Um, Kaz, you spent some time on on that uh, Forbidden, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it was cool, and it, you know, it was one of those bikes that does feel like it can do more than you expect from a traditional trail bike, but. It wasn't like, oh, all trail bikes need to go down this route. This is the next big thing. This is the only way. But you know, I think for some riders that are riding rougher terrain, want something that lets them get away with some mistakes, has that super planted feel when you land, um, it's cool. But then somebody that wants a, you know, a little more lively kind of snappy bike, like that stump jumper or a bike in that vein is going to be the way to go. So just more choices. But I don't think it's the be all end all for all bikes. That's exactly the way I feel about that P-Train, Cass. Is there impressive. any way to- is there any way to get around the complication? Because I don't, I mean, I'd be all over, uh, in theory, a lot of high pivot things that you guys talk about, but just adding an idler and more complication is just, I'm reluctant. Oh, can we talk about idlers? I'd love to talk about idlers sure. for a little while. Sure. In that, in that P-Train review, I did mention a few times that I was, so, I was like hesitant about the idler and like I wanted to list it as a con, but it didn't give me any like real trouble. 
And a few people pointed out like, hey, you, it didn't give you any trouble. Why are you shitting on an idler? And it's because it is extra complication. And it didn't give me trouble, but there were times like where you pedal backwards, like the chain line might not be super great and you pedal backwards and the chain kind of, you know, falls down the cassette a couple times. Um, Kaz, you're on a high pivot bike right now. Yep. So it's it's um, not clogging up with mud, I don't imagine. Mine didn't, but are yeah, you having any not, issues? Not yet with this one, but I only have two rides. But, you know, it does take a little bit, like you said, even just set up, getting the, making sure the chain line is set correctly in the front there. Because you need the either to match with your front chain ring, you're going to have some weird stuff happening. Um, and then it's a little noisier, you know, there, I'm, I know there is some efficiency loss because of that yep. idler. Um, and on the, the Norco shore I had, I did have it. I tossed the chain one time off the top idler. So really, I think, did it get all yeah. jammed up and stuff? Yeah. 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 Um, it only happened once and it was kind of like in a flatter section where I was pedaling pretty hard. So I think it might've just gotten bounced in something weird and only happened once. And I did ride that bike a lot, but it's like, it can happen. Did you adjust anything after? Like, did it need any adjustment or it was no, just like a No, it just somehow thing? like, yeah, it just came off because it has an upper chain guide on that bike and it kind of just popped off somehow. So yeah. yeah, I think that is where there there is extra complication. Like, you know, you drop a chain on a normal bike too, but when it's, when you drop the idler, there's just more room for things to go wrong. So I think that's why we keep mentioning that it, there is a potential downside to it. But. Just more things. Anytime there's just more things, even if it's for a good reason, there's just more things to go wrong, but. Yeah. And your chain wrap around that front chain ring is never going to be as. That's not the same as like a normal one. It's never been an what, issue. What do you mean? I mean, you I just mean, don't have the power that Kaz has, obviously. <laughs> no, <Yes>. like, <laughs> it's just like you're only using, like, you can wear things faster too, the way it's like you're. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's not a, yeah. it's not a performance issue, but you're going to, no. more wear is concentrated on that part of the chain ring. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it is. Why? It's you're the same your- amount of wear on a smaller section of chain ring. It's not more wear on a... It's more force going into less... It's more force. Definitely. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Does that answer your question, Mikey? I hope so. So that's what we think about high pivot trail bikes, short travel high pivot trail bikes, we should say. Um, They're probably not well-rounded enough to be be super common, but they definitely have a place. That's for sure. So let's get to our big discussion here. These three, Brian and Casimir and James, are going to grill me today on my five trail bikes from the field test. I spent about a month riding the hell out of these things. We did a ton of timing, uh, efficiency test, huck to flat. And those five bikes include the Salsa Blackthorn, the Acto 5 P-Train, the Ibis Mojo. It's the fourth generation Mojo. That giant transex with the live valve suspension. Uh, and then the new Stump Jumper. All right, guys. Hit me. Well, let's just get it, get the like this thing out of the way. You ha- definitely have an axe to grind about what is a trail bike. So yeah, you tell us. You tell us what you're. You know, you've been trying these bikes, and it seems like there's kind of a split between two different camps. Uh, so yeah, where are you at with this? It it feels like it. It seems like to me that you have companies, you have brands that just want their trail bikes to be as capable as possible, and there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, of course, we want our bikes to be more and more capable. Um, Some of them are doing this by making them even slacker, putting longer travel forks and more travel at the rear, but especially longer travel forks. So we're seeing trail bikes now with 64 and a half degree head angles and 160 millimeter forks. And you know what? These things don't feel very trail bikey to me. A trail bike is something that I want to ride for... 50, 60 kilometers. I want to be on for five hours. I want to, I want to want to climb on it. And those bikes climb real well, especially for what they are, but they just, I don't know. Kaz, 
Does a trail bike have a 160 mil fork? I think it can. Yeah. I mean, I it just depends where you live, you know, like you're, you're on the fence right now, Kaz. Do you want to get off of it? Pick a side? No, because I think there's different terrain, you know, like people were making I got some shit because I said that in the round table discussion where I mentioned that you might want that stump jumper for more East coast riding while you'd want maybe the active P train for Squamish. And then all the East coasters got mad and tried to tell me I was an idiot because they have the rowdiest trails in the world. So, um, which do they know that you're good from ride. the East coast? Yeah, they didn't realize I'm from Connecticut. I recognize that obviously in the East coast, there's some great riding. And so I wasn't trying to offend you guys in the East coast, but my bike for out there would probably be something more like that stump jumper, which mm-hmm. has that kind of liveliness you want when you get the more rolly chunky terrain, it does it. So yeah, I think picking your trail bike for where you live just depends on your trails. And it's not worth going down the rabbit hole of like fighting everybody that doesn't agree, really. But I, I want to fight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I will say that I agree with you that some of these bikes are becoming just something different. Like, you know, we'll go back to the Acta 5. We should come up with a new term for them, like all mountain. I know. I bring it back. Fired. Did you see? I've had it so many times. I've noticed. All mountain on the page today. And I said it in the other review. It's coming back. Has, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start the way we punish Levy for Pinkers. You're going to start having to read, do some ad reads for terrible, I'll take terrible it. things. Yeah. All Mountain's coming it. back. It's worth all, it. all these people agreed with me too. So, <laughs> so yeah, here, here in Squamish, people's trail bikes are like 150, 160 mil bikes because the terrain is pretty rowdy. Uh, but there are there are a handful of cross country people here on shorter bikes. But I don't know. There's just the bikes when they get that amount of travel. To me, they lose that sort of like sprightly, agile. Here's the way I want to say it, guys: trail bikes don't need to be as capable as enduro bikes. If you want something like that, then but they're also not. None of those bikes are as capable as an enduro bike. No, not like a bike like the Salsa or the P-Train. They're not quite as capable as, yes, like a modern new enduro bike. But if we go back two years, they are enduro bikes. You know, like they're, I don't yeah, they're need. they're not that far off. No, yeah. I don't need my, if it was all about capability, or tra- I'd be on a 200 millimeter travel trail bike. And that's not what trail riding is about. Trail riding doesn't have to be about riding the nastiest stuff. So that's I my two cents. Who, I know somebody who's, doing something on instagram right now because i heard you say a trail bike doesn't need to have 200 mils (laughs) 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 someone trolling me no no there's just all the folks that think that you can just have a million a million millimeters and as long as it's got a steep seat tube angle and you can eventually get to the top it counts as a trail bike see that's not a trail bike yeah yeah Yeah. no i'm with you i agree with you on this levy so i yeah i think that for me if i was going to pick a trail bike it'd be something like that stump jumper is my idea of a, yes. you know, it's a 130, 140 bike. Or like I rode that Norco Optic a ton for the last year. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that's like a modern trail bike where you can do lots of stuff, but you still don't have like unlimited amount of travel and it feels light enough and, you know, it makes you want to pedal it. So yeah, yeah I'm, I think we're on the same page here. I also think you don't need to get too hung up on, on ge- geometry or suspension. There are other things that a, a 150 mil bike with a very, efficient sort of energetic pedaling like suspension kinematics is different from a super gooey maybe high pivot 130 bike 100 percent. yep the travel doesn't necessarily define it for sure yeah should we get into these bikes and pick your brain a little bit yeah i'm, I'm oh, ready we can start with we can start with the one that you are saying was an enduro bike last year which is just not true, but you know, whatever. The I'm mostly black, joking, everybody. <laughs> uh, mostly. Uh, yeah. How was the, the purple people eater? 
That's the salsa blackthorn for people that don't know the nickname we've given it. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to play the that purple people eater song, but I don't think our video would have. I think our video would have got pulled if we did that. I need to buy the rights for it. Yeah, exactly. I'll see if that's yeah. in the budget. Yeah. <laughs> now, I really like the bike. And I mean, the thing does eat all of the trail. It pedals reasonably well. You know, it didn't it didn't match the stumpy in my mind or the ibis. Um, but it's leaning more towards that more capability, more all mountain feel. I think it was 64 and a half CAS up front, 164, 140 rear end split pivot. Um, a fairly active rear end, relatively active. It felt, yeah, yeah. And that between that and the 160 mil fork. Yeah. What about the length of that bike too? Cause we didn't really talk. We said geometry doesn't matter as much, but this one I think has the longest reach is like 490 reach. 490. Yeah. So like so that's, that's on the, that is on the limit of my sizing, I think. Um, and my thinking was with this, it's obviously a so-called trail bike that's meant to be as capable as possible. And the trails here are rowdy and I wanted to go with a little bit extra length. These days I'm comfy, comfy on anything from like, you know, 460 to high 480s, 490s, kind of where I top out. Yeah. This is one of those bikes that we talked about a few podcasts ago where the company made two bikes out of one front triangle. And we talked about how there are some compromises that happen when you do that. Did you feel any compromises here or was this on the good side of those compromises? Uh, I think it was on the good side, but I mean, I would have to have the Cassidy, which is the 165 millimeter travel version that uses the same front and other parts. <laughs> I think you changed the clevis and the rocker and the shock. Um, but I didn't, I didn't ride that bike. I haven't ridden a Cassidy yet. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's obviously on the, on the good side of that. I imagine that the, if they didn't have to make the Cassidy out of it, that reach number wouldn't have been 490, right? Because once you slack it out, that reach number was probably closer to 470, 480, um, which is more appropriate for the Cassidy. So maybe the, the little bike got stretched. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it didn't feel too big. I know there were some comments asking me if, uh, do you think this is the right size? And yeah, I mean, the medium is, it might be 465, Kaz. I think it goes from 465 to 490, which is a pretty big jump. Mm -hmm. And the medium would have been just fine for me as well. But these days you can look at a bike, you can look at the seat tube length and you could say, well, do I want that extra length for that extra stability? Or do I want it, you know, for more nimbility to be shorter? And yeah, I wanted, I wanted that length for this bike and I liked it. Nimbility is the best word that you've come up with recently. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm going to try to come up with a new word for most of my videos. So that's, that's my challenge. <laughs> and then we'll make a soundboard at the end of the year. We can just push it and have you saying the different words. Yeah. <laughs> nimbility, nimbility, nimbility. Yeah. <laughs> so no, the Salsa wasn't my favorite bike, but for here, yeah, it's definitely a get, good all mountain bike. Can we get the soundboard also to say, wow. <laughs> those are the sounds yeah. i make when i'm when i'm on most of these bikes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess that'll bring us to the next one that active five p train that's probably the one that most people or a lot of people just were interested in because it is so different they only make 25 a year uh and that one definitely you're a fan huh dude so i mean i like stuff that's interesting we ride a lot of cool stuff and well we go we go through a lot of bikes and it's really cool when you get something that's like really out there. And this thing, steel front triangle, uh, CNC aluminum rear end. I think he's doing a CNC aluminum front end now. I don't know if it's production yet, but the steel front end was production. I know I read some comments saying that this one wasn't, but 
This one is production. People can buy it. I think everything's production when you produce 20 a year. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, everything that comes out, <laughs> you've produced it. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, we wanted to include it just because it was an outlier. I know some people were like, why bother including this thing too? Because we, I mean, Simon only makes 20 of these things or whatever it is uh, for every few months. But we wanted something interesting and this definitely is interesting. Yeah, that's good to know what else is happening out there. Like a lot of times innovations come from these little guys in their garages and other bigger companies notice and turn yeah. into the mainstream. So. Well, that's the thing. You're not going to have specialized making something like this or Trek, you know, they're doing other cool stuff, but they're not doing this. And this is worth riding. This thing, Kaz, it, it's a, it's a freaking enduro bike. <laughs> not actually, but yeah. What's the, what's the travel? 135. I think. Ah, uh, yes, those one thirty-five mil enduro bikes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but then like but you have to like ride that. it. Yeah. It's that's crazy. What's yeah. Even like that comments all have the meta. Yeah. I keep talking about it, but that thing, I, I think it actually has one hundred and thirty-five-ish mils of travel. They say one forty, but I bet it's pretty similar. And yeah, you can do a lot with that amount of travel. Yeah. If the one bike thing, feels right. I also want to mention about that bike too is that when I was on the Highlander that Deviant, I did play with some setup a bit. Um, it had some massively slow, big, heavy tires on it, but the bike never felt, it felt more planted than poppy. And the same is true for the P-Train. Don't get me wrong, but the P-Train definitely did have a little more, um, usability to it on poppy tamer terrain. It's, it wouldn't be my bike for Bend, Oregon or, you know, something like that, but you would love this thing, Kaz. Yeah. It looks, looks cool. Um. Yeah, and I'm sure like the thing that made it feel the best is probably the combination of that coil shock with the high pivot layout, yeah. like all that rearward travel. And that double barrel shock. Um, I didn't change any of the settings, stock settings, and it. I really like that heavily damped feel. Um, just control. The, the, the bike was just control, and I ended up... I, I mean, I crashed on the other bikes, but I crashed more on the P-Trade because I, I found myself going faster, <laughs> having more fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Do you think it being the only metal bike played into that at all? I don't think so. You have 160 mils up front, 130 something in the back. You've got 2.45 inch wide tires at 20 psi. No, I don't. I don't buy that frame feel flex thing in the mountain world. Nope. What about just the weight? I buy that. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't feel fast in some sections because of the weight. I would never buy the bike for because of the weight. It's a four thousand gram frame without a shock. How much does a shock weigh, Kaz? Uh, like seven. Oh, a coil shock probably. Yeah. Yeah, seven hundred grams maybe. Jesus Christ! So it's like it's like forty seven, forty eight hundred grams. How many pounds it's like is that? Three. It's like three epic Evo frames almost. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's super cool, but I just. I want a trail bike to weigh 26, 27, and I want to ride it for four hours or five hours and climb all the feet and have fun on the way down. You, I have just as much fun on the way down, something that's not as gooey and sticky, but... You want your trail bike to weigh 26 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Really? I yeah. Cur- yeah. My, tra- my current trail bike weighs 25, Brian. Your current trail bike's a cross-country bike. <laughs> how, how much it's got 2.35 tires on it. That's trail it's bike. got 100 mils travel. In the back, 120 up front, and a 780 mil handlebar. I think you invented 70 mil dropper post. It's a trail bike. I think there was another term for this. I just forget what it is. (laughs) Uh, We should make one up. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that's stump, jump, that's stump jumper is 27 pounds. And it you know, costs yeah. like almost 10 grand, but still, it's possible to have a bike. I thought that Stumpy would be lighter, to be honest, after having that crazy epic here. But yeah, I mean, it's an S, anything S works, I just like, it doesn't weigh 24 pounds. What? Yeah. Well, that's mostly up to the spec because that, that frame is crazy light. That yeah. stump jumper frame. Well, it's 21, I think, isn't it? 21 is super, super light for a bike like that. Super light. I don't. What other bikes are twenty one hundred grams in that category? I, I don't know. Just, they don't give me. It's too many numbers. Is that I'm, the lightest? I'm, it's up there. It's or I guess down there. Wait, which frame are we it's, talking about? I got. I lost track. The, Stumpy frame. Stump jumper. Stump jumper. Frame. Oh yeah, twenty one hundred grams with a shock. That's incredible. Light. Yeah. Anyways, uh, weight isn't everything. It doesn't yeah, who cares? <laughs> it's not everything. Uh, it's just a lot of thing. Yeah. And it is nice when you do hop on a light bike that's made for trail riding. That's fun. I like that. I can't believe you just said that, Casimir. Who is this? I always say that. You think I'm a different person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a proponent of heavy bikes. I'm not like, add weights everywhere and make them the best. You just told ever. me that your cabins weighed 35 pounds and you were okay with it. Well, yeah, it's an aluminum high pivot 160 bike. Like, I have to have reasonable expectations. I don't want like a... Cas, you don't understand the whole point of all these things is misconstruing each other's arguments so that we can talk <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> true. Yeah. You have to make everyone seem wrong, even if they might not be. <laughs> We're just agreeing aggressively. Yeah, yeah. No, in my dream world, I would have like the 160 bike that weighs in the low 30s and has all of the everything I want, and that'd be cool. Low 30s. I think you should dream a little more. Low like 28. I yeah, would love to ride a happen. 20 pound. I want to ride a 20 pound enduro bike. I yeah, I don't think it's that danger would... home on it. Danger home. Yeah, exactly. Strip I, wonder, now. I wonder. Yeah, I what, what briefly. Like? So this last month that I've been away, I I briefly brought out a big knife and put it up to my Mondraker frame to take all the paint <laughs> off of it. I did one scrape like in a spot where nobody could see, just to like, and then I was like, oh, this is gonna take another month, and then I decided against it. <laughs> That's good. It's probably safer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, right. Danger Home. <laughs> Back on track. Let's move yeah. on. Ibis Mojo. Tell me about the Ibis. Uh, well, I mean, when I hear Ibis, I think speedy on the trails. Uh, I think efficiency. I think uh, light-ish weight. I think well-rounded. Um, and that sort of also sums up the new Mojo. It's still very much an Ibis. Ibis, so if you have the like the your range of trail bikes and on one side you have the p-train on and way down at the other side you have like my too light short travel like it's really a cross-country bike kind of thing the mojo is definitely more towards that <laughs> you know it's a lighter bike meant to cover ground maybe meant for a little less aggressive riding than some of the other bikes but having said that i just made the thing slacker longer and it is way more capable it's still just not quite as capable <laughs> As some of the and others. That's, and that's one of those things where the, the numbers maybe don't tell the whole story. You know, it's got a fairly slack head tube angle now, way slacker than before. It's got mm -hmm. all the things, but it still feels ibisy. The ibicity is still there. Yeah. And there are places in the world where this would be the bike. Many places. Uh, here in Squamish, in the Pacific Northwest. It's maybe a little aggressive, the terrain. I might want something... Yeah. It also has those little wheels, which we don't focus on them a ton these days, just because if people want them, they exist, and we try not to say one's better than the other. But, you know, it was up against all these other bikes with yeah. bigger wheels, which makes a difference. 
And I think the the thing there is that I usually ride 29ers. And I know everyone mm-hmm. says, Levy only loves 29ers. That's all he likes to ride. And I actually, because of my job, that's almost all I can ride. <laughs> you know, yeah, basically everything are 29ers. Everything has 29-inch wheels. Did you, when you got on the 27.5 bike, that is a small 27.5 bike, or like in these days, most of the 27.5 bikes or bikes that have 27.5 options are bigger bikes. More travel so a bit of, is what you're saying. Yeah, more travel. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, they only come in double extra large with 27.5 <laughs> <Yeah>. wheels. <laughs> um, it's the opposite of what's good. Um, yeah. You know, having a, a shorter travel bike with 27.5 wheels is a bit unique. Did it surprise you? Did you think about it much? Actually, I didn't think about it. So in our in our past group reviews, I've always been... Things change when you go from big wheels to small wheels or small wheels to big wheels. If you're used to one and you get on another, your approach angle is different. Your, your timing needs to change slightly. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I overthink everything. Um, but I got on the Ibis and it was obviously small wheels. But I mean, I just got on the bike and rode it. It didn't. No, no, I didn't think about it. Short answer. No, didn't think about it. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, I remember how good these small wheels are. Everybody's crazy. I don't get rid of 29ers. No, I wasn't immediately converted to small wheels. <laughs> uh, surprising. Weird. Uh, weird. Weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did really like the bike. Um, let's talk about the fork though. So it actually shipped with a Fox 34, 150 mil 34 cast, I think, with... Yeah a fit four damper instead of a grip two damper. And if you go to their website, the bike ships with the grip two damper, um, which offers a little more downhill performance. Um, so I think that my test bike with the fit four fork, it would have fared a little better on the descents with the grip damper. Um, but that pedal assist switch for someone who rides a bike like the Ibis in a place with terrain that's not like here, it makes a lot of sense. The fit fork do you, does. Do you use that like... I know you hate the pedal assist switch on the rear shock. Do you want one on your fork? Like I don't, even on the biggest travel bikes that I ride, I never feel like I want to touch the fork. Like I don't care. Does that matter to you? Uh, yeah, I think that, so I don't like using them. I should say that. But if I was on a, like a 170 millimeter travel bike of some sort, and I was climbing up a hill, first of all, I don't want to stand up on those bikes. I just want to sit in the seat and spin. But when you do stand up and try hard, I might want to firm the fork up, um, I didn't what on the that? Ibis. You're crazy. Yeah, weird. I never even think that, like, it doesn't even cross my mind. Even on, like, the 180 mil fork on the propane, I wasn't like, I wish I could firm the fork up. I just... Maybe you're no, not pedaling hard enough. Must not be. Uh, yeah. If anything, I want the front end to go down so that, compared to the back. Like, I understand firming at the back, but I... No, like, I definitely don't want like, travel adjust. That's the worst. No, travel no, 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 adjust no, no. is the I'm worst. I'm talking about travel adjust. I'm talking about where you sit in the travel, because it's locked yeah. out or not locked out. Yeah, that's... So, a, I hate that. Like, the old forks, yeah, so you could drop them down. Yeah, I don't and then want they'd that. stay low. I hate that. No, no, no. But if you lock out the back, your the back of your bike rides higher, and your oh yeah, your the front of your bike continues to move up and down because you have a suspension in the front, and that's good. I like that when when you're on a big bike and you're climbing something. But I wouldn't want to lock the fork out on a big bike, or and especially not if you couldn't or weren't going to lock the back out. Yeah, I just don't. Do I mean, it, but. my the climbing trail here, the Legacy Trail, it's like it's like four feet wide and smooth as hell and goes to the top of the mountain and there's nothing technical about it. So I would rather have my bike be firmer than handle quicker. So I can get up and out of the saddle and pedal without it going like, 
what is happening? This what? is 2020 and Mike Levy's talking, advocating for locking the bikes out. What's I'm going on? I'm just saying, I'm just saying <laughs> oh that like, you're, you're pedaling, you're talking about, like, I know that you're talking about pedaling up a gravel road. Like, who cares where the fork is in its travel? Just make the thing rock hard, you know? If you want to use that aid, it doesn't make a difference if your fork is sitting an inch lower while you're pedaling up the gravel road. So you're pro twin lock. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> curling camp changed me i slipped on the ice hit my head yeah <laughs> jesus all about those lockouts now yeah okay well, well, we speaking well of lockouts about the giant. <laughs> yeah speaking of lockouts yeah, yeah. giant transx with the live valve electronic suspension hey why didn't we get the one without live valve I'm pretty sure that's all that was available that's all that's available yeah and I think we kind of wanted to try it with the live valve too but I feel like it might have been an availability thing and you know yeah it's a struggle right now every the I don't think this was a case of brand only wanting us to test the highest end thing like like sometimes it is um that's works I I think this is a this is a case of just that's what they had available and this is such a crazy year for availability so you know um, and and yeah I, for sure i was curious to see how it was i think it's the biggest bike i've seen with a live valve yeah I and i also totally think they're but they're excited about the live valve you know they made the bike and that's their flagship flagship offering with the live valve i'm sure they're kind of like look we made it has this but they didn't design it around live valve nobody's no, gonna design they, a bike around live valve but they should to get the most out of it, but nobody's going to do that. That's not smart. Well, but maybe a bike like a high pivot, ooey gooey type Grim machine. Donut? Grim, Grim Donut 3. Yeah. <laughs> the Trim yeah, Donut. Even, <laughs> even, even the Acto 5, I'd be curious. Something, Something's yes. active. Yeah, I get, I'm just not into electronics like this, but I mean... What were the best parts of it, Levy? Like you climbing, you said this thing was amazing, right? It was a, it like the thing weighed thirty pounds. I would guess it weighed like twenty four and had six hundred gram tires on it. It was crazy. Just yeah, the thing. It's just a rocket ship up all the hills. Even on one out of five, it's just fucking like go. <laughs> and I'm that if you're the kind of person who likes that, but then on the way down, you do want to ride some of the gnarly things. Yeah, I could see people being into it. I ha- there was a commenter who said I cheated in the efficiency test, and I want to address that. He said that the Giant, of course the Giant won. It was completely unfair advantage, and I should have done the efficiency test with the other bikes locked out as well, because that's how the Giant was ridden. Oh, Ryan? boy. <laughs> I don't... <sighs> My brain hurts sometimes. <laughs> yeah. My brain no. hurts all the time. No, that's just... The, that's the whole point of the live valve is that it does all the all of the thinking for you and that's the point of testing all the other bikes in their open is because we're trying to see what's the most efficient on that sort of inter- no we're not actually concerned about how fast you can climb up a fire road with your bike completely open it's just the best way for i us am to everybody <laughs> but just so best, everybody knows i got you it's the best way to approximate what would be more efficient over some like rolling terrain where you're not even even the most locky out type folks wouldn't be locking out things on mixed terrain and that's where you'll actually see an advantage from what we call like pedaling efficiency so that and that's where the something like the live valve just makes all the sense in the world you know where it doesn't make all the sense in the world 
descent in Squamish. Yeah. And we so, kind of found that out when the pivot the year before, remember in Pemberton? Right. The, uh, yeah. the live valve equipped pivot. You know, I was pretty, I felt like I was rough on that bike in the review, the giant, the transex with the live valve in the field test review. Um, riding it back to back, I cannot underline how important that is for reviewing these things. You know, when I was riding that bike on its own, it, it was one of the earlier field tests that bikes arrived field test bikes arrived and I rode it on its own a few times and it was, yeah, you know what? Worked fine. I rode it on, it was smoother terrain and things, it was working, felt a little harsh, but it was working fine. And then back to back against the other bikes and it was night and day and we had some slow motion filming and yeah, the traction between the Transex with the live valve and the other bikes without live valve, huge difference, Kaz. Huge. It's almost just like it just can't keep up quite the same it's, you know for how fast they say that that thing can respond it still almost needs to be even faster well it's supposed to be the bike tilt tilts down at an angle the damn thing's supposed to just like open up and be open like fully open and do all the things yeah and it didn't yeah it didn't like it just felt like the tire had 35 psi on it and i was skittering on the descents more than i should have been is it just that you're used to a better fork and shock like grip two damper and all the rest and that most of those other bikes were coming with, and now you're having to ride non-full-fat versions of suspension in order to take advantage of live valve? I would or? say no, because, I mean, I do ride a lot of short travel bikes, and, and some of these field test bikes had, you know, it's 140 mils with an inline shock or whatever, and yeah, I I don't think that's it. I think it's something not quite ready for system. prime time on the really rough stuff here. Yeah, And on the big bikes, yeah. Yeah. Medium, medium bikes. This what, on a 120 mil XC bike. Hmm. Maybe. Well, depends where. We still struggled with that pivot here. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, how do you think that bike would have done without live valve? So Better. for the slightly lower priced versions. Yeah. I think it would have felt far more well-rounded as it was. It was just with the live valve, it leans so much towards efficiency that it gives up too much on the other end for me to want to ride it here. But the geo was right. I think I would love the geo. I like the geo adjust in the wide range. Um, and that maestro stuff, I mean, how long has maestro been around Kaz? Like 20 years or something? Like, yeah, it's been a while. It's already pretty efficient to begin with. Like, it maestro is. tends to like work pretty well. Yeah, it is. Like, so I think that if we got a, a transex without live valve, it, yeah, it would have fared better, like in a more well-rounded sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why that's why I keep talking about. I'd, I want to see live valve on a bike where it could help it more. But maybe like it would just make it feel like the yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> but like a bike like that, like a bike that pedals like ass. A bike that needs help. And then you get the best of both worlds. You get a bike that is has suspension that's more active, provides more traction on the downs. Maybe, hopefully, if live valve gets a little more sorted. sorted, And it helps it where it really needs to help it. And it's a bike that needs help. Speaking of bikes that don't need help, though, how about that Stump Jumper? Yeah, that one looks... I would like to ride that. I want to steal that from you and borrow it for a while. You got to... Cross the border, Kaz. Like, sneak across somehow. And... I'm still digging. I'm not done with my tunnel yet. Oh. In the are you digging it directly to Squamish, or are you just crossing the border? And It's just going to pop up in the North Shore, like underneath an old rotten ladder bridge. I'm going to pop up. <laughs> I could actually <laughs> see exactly that happening. <laughs> and you've been digging for like a week, and you get out, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to ride. Yeah. Let's go for a bike ride. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> then bring a chamois. Let's go. 
exactly. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, that Stompter looked great. And you had good things to say about it. It's, yeah. You know, it's impossibly well-rounded. It's just like, it strikes that sort of perfect middle ground for somebody who still wants to cover a lot of distance, still wants a bike to pedal really well, but also still realizes that they want a trail bike and they don't need a trail bike to be a freaking enduro bike. You know, it's a trail bike. I think, yeah. I think Specialized has done a great job this year, just making their segments pretty well defined. You know, they've got the Epic Evo and the Epic. You kind of know what those are for. You know what the Stump Jumper's for. And then the Stumpy Evo and then the Enduro. You don't often see bikes do, brands do that where they take a bike and drop it in travel mm-hmm. to make room for something else in their line. Usually everybody just has that like mission creep of adding travel adding travel adding travel like even like the norco optic it came in as an xc bike and then they added travel added travel added travel and now it's this trail bike so yeah yeah Very prime makes, go back back yeah prime makes it easier for shops like somebody comes in explains what kind of riding they're looking to do and they're like oh this is the bike for you instead of having this kind of one sort of strange amalgamation of every bike in one that doesn't exactly exist so yeah um, anything that Stumpy didn't do well that you thought could be improved for how good it is? Um, I didn't really see too many. You know, on the outer extremes of the capabilities of of what I want to do, some of the really steeper, rougher rock rolls here, you know, like I wouldn't be taking this Stumpy down sauerkraut. Let's say that, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not, that's, it's not that bike. Um, but do you think did, people will be disappointed? The The folks that love that specialized active gooeyness or tractionishness no, no. no get those people need to get out of their heads like it doesn't the bike doesn't have a horse link it's still a mountain bike that works really really well and it to me for how i want to ride it works better than mm-hmm. before but so like i liked that last stump jumper you'd like this one. one i'd like this one yeah you would it, you would, it doesn't give that much way no, it does. I don't think it gives anything away. Like it, you would get on the bike and you wouldn't go any slower or you wouldn't not ride something that you were riding before. Mm. 100%. Interesting. And How there's also the Evo too. So yeah. 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 How does it compare to, to that optic? Because you love that bike last year. Yeah, man. I love that optic. Kaz, you still have, you still have an optic, don't you? I got rid of my optic recently. What? Very recently. Do you regret well, it yet? Not quite yet because I have enough bikes to keep me entertained, but I really liked that bike. Like I could have, yeah, yeah, it was good. We need to get another optic in, maybe, so we can do optic versus stumpy. I honestly, I'd have to ride the optic again. F- thinking back, I feel like the optic was probably a little stouter feeling, a little burlier feeling. Um, but I'd have to ride it again to see. Yeah, it's also like probably like three pounds heavier too, so that would yeah, and less weight. travel. Just five mils, but yeah, a little bit less. But they're in that same category. It's I, I'm really like where trail bikes are at in that bracket these days. Like that 130, 140 zone is, is getting so good. I used to call it the worst of everything, Cass, and that's changed. Now these bikes are, they're, they're capable enough that they're no longer like this sort of like wishy-washy middle ground. Like, what are you going to use this thing for? Now it's like, yeah, I'll take my 130 everywhere. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a good spot now. It's yeah. a good time. So we've done all the trail bike videos, but there are still some other videos to come, Kaz. Uh, not your enduro bike videos. I'm talking about the Hawk to Flat, the efficiency test, and also a new video that we're going to do, the value bike breakdown. Let's talk about Hawk to Flat first, Kaz. Jason was back for that. He was probably pretty happy to not be on XC bikes. <laughs> yeah, he's got it moving up and travel. <laughs> yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> should we 
Should we tell people all the bikes that broke during the Huck to Flat? Might as well make them watch. It's surprising. Yeah, let's let's not let's not tell them all the bikes that broke. Let's just you guys are going to have to wait. Let's go to the efficiency test. Everybody's favorite. I know you were tuning in for this. Um, we, we're only going to talk about trail bikes on the efficiency test, though. Do, can you guys some, guess? There's a spoiler. Some some of the uh, bigger bikes beat some of the trail bikes. Yeah. We'll put that in there. That's it. It's a little, little cookie. I don't think we're ruining anything if we tell people who won, though. No. No. So, obviously, the TransX uh, won. We've did, I did the TransX twice on the efficiency test. I climbed up to the top once with the live valve set to its firmest setting, and then again with it set to its least firmest setting. Um, and we used a very similar, well, the, the same courses before, a little bit different start endpoints, but the exact same gravel road, free lap to time it, all that kind of stuff, uh, and a power meter. TransX, five out of five, live valve mode, it did two minutes, 45 seconds, Kaz. That's quick. That's the quickest out of all the bikes, right? It yeah. is, yeah. And I turned the live valve, I dialed it back to one out of five, and it went 249. So it went four seconds slower. That's six seconds. No, nope, that's four seconds. Sorry. Four seconds. <laughs> Max, Max, make me look smart here. Just delete all that shit. The one time, Max, leave it in. The one time my math is right and Brian's is wrong. You will leave this in. So splitting those two bikes, though, we had the Stumpy at 248. And I talked a lot about how that thing was, it felt much more efficient in my first look video. And turns out that feeling was right. It uh, did 248 right between the two trances. And then we had the Salsa at 253. Well, you're surprised really by the, Yeah, that's pretty good. The Ibis was kind of farther back than I would have thought. The 256, that was the... So that's the fourth out of five, right? The Ibis. Yeah, and then the P-Train, old, old yeah. P-Train back yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of knew the P-Train was going to be the caboose. but P- P-Train doesn't care. 312, it gets there when it gets there, everybody. Yeah, yeah, you can take your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it... Uh, yeah, it went the efficiency test. It's never an easy thing to do. It's a lot of climbing and it makes for a long day, but it went really well this time. And we hope you guys like the video. Did you want to like throw your toys out the pram as much as the last time we tried this? No, we had some te- technical difficulties last time with computers talking to each other. And, and I nearly had a nervous breakdown. Like everybody, like I spent like 16 hours on this freaking gravel road in 30 Celsius degree weather with logging trucks driving by with 10 bikes. I was losing my mind. So I was preparing for the worst, but this time, no, it was good. Why do you think that Ibis did worse? Because you said it pedals pretty efficiently. Like it feels pretty efficient. Yeah. Where, where do you think it's losing that 10, 11 seconds? I don't know. It's got small wheels. Does that matter? Maybe. Probably on that. Yeah. Little fire road, like washboard fire road. I could see it having an impact. Yeah, I mean, this thing's not, it's not like a lab test. It's not real science, but it gives us a real good idea. And, you know, this is the second efficiency test that I've done. And the results, again, they match my impressions on the trail. So, and Kaz, I mean, you're looking at the results. Do they match what you think, what you felt like in your enduro bikes? Yeah, exactly. For the enduro bikes, like I was pretty... It was like impressive just to see like, oh, that's kind of how I would have put them. Um, And even in the videos, when people are watching enduro videos this week, a lot of times I'll allude to the efficiency test. Well, I didn't have the results yet, but I'll say like, I bet this one did the best. And then if you look at the efficiency test, it's 
like what I thought was matched by what you found. So that's kind of yeah. cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. So we also added a video this year, our value bike breakdown. What's that about Cass? That's basically like, we know that this year we obviously had, and then a lot of the field tests, we end up with these super expensive bikes, but we're, we're working on kind of finding the sweet spot, but we did want to let people know what they could do to get more value if they're in the market for one of these bikes. So say you're shopping for that stump jumper and you don't want to spend $9,499. Like Weird. which one should you get? I know. Well, people can allow, people can spend however much they want, but if you did want a little more value than dropping 10 grand. Like, have you just tried being not poor? <laughs> yeah, you just work more, right? You just make millions. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I don't know what it's like yeah. either to not. For everybody before, else but... out there, don't feel bad. Yeah. I haven't either. Yeah, no. One of these days, we'll do a vehicle check and we can show what we're all driving around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so basically, what we did is kind of dug a little bit deeper into the the product catalogs just to see where the good values lie because the cheapest bike isn't always the best bike. Just like the most expensive bike isn't always the best bike. Like we're trying to find the most bang for your buck. So that's what these videos will be about. What were you looking for? What makes, what makes a good value Cass? Like for me, I want to have the important things like decent suspension, you know, and decent suspension, decent brakes, but I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit in other areas like drivetrain. I don't think matters as much. Like you don't need an XTR or an X01 drivetrain, you know, you can, you'll be right. just as happy. So, yeah. So look yeah. for things like, you know, if you, there's two bikes. One comes with a RockShox fork that has a motion control damper. And then the next one up, the next bike up, it comes with a RockShox fork that has the entry-level charger damper. And that might be the old, less adjustable charger damper, but it is so much more fork than mm -hmm. the lower one with the motion control. And that's where it makes sense. But it doesn't make sense to get the ultimate, the, the Lyric ultimate with the nicest charger damper that the performance difference between the two dampers is pretty small there but there's a bigger difference between the less expensive one and the less expensive charger if that makes yeah, sense so if you're on a budget yeah exactly that's where we kind of try to sort it out so if you're on a budget how to get the most free money same with the frame material you know some of these Kaz oh. spent a lot of time in in spreadsheet land on this so i hope people enjoy but i was surprised there are some surprisingly sort of good picks in there that even from brands where you normally think like, oh, it's so expensive, whatever. They're not, you know, they're not a direct consumer brand. It's not, they're not going to be price competitive. But there were a couple of models in there where, you know, maybe the most expensive one doesn't make sense pricing wise, but the, you know, the third or fourth down, mm -hmm. oh, that's a hidden gem. So yeah, yeah. thanks exactly. Kaz. Thanks for, thanks for doing all that work. You're welcome. I didn't spend any time in Google Docs for mine, so mine won't be as good, but I hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of... Lots of GX, GX and SLX and uh, grip dampers and things like that. So things that make sense. Yeah. And aluminum is always good too. Like some of these bikes don't come in aluminum so that no matter what we did, we would still have a fairly expensive bike. So it's always cool when there is the aluminum option to save some money with the frame. That's definitely a horse we need to ride more, Kaz. I want to see more aluminum bikes with quality suspension and decent drivetrains. You know, we've yeah, touched on this before, but it like, I don't care if the frame weighs 200 or 400 grams less. I don't care. <laughs> just give me the good fork. <laughs> yeah. You almost just need like the shop rat build. Like, right. It's kind of how, when, when Specialized started the Evo thing, almost their kind of thing was like, this is how shop guys are building their bikes. But I'd like to see that make a thing. So the people that tend to prioritize suspension and brakes, put the good ones on the aluminum frame with the cheapest drivetrain and, or cheaper drivetrain and call it good. So, yeah. We could just go back to the 
like literally 15 minutes ago when Mike Levy was saying bike needed to be 27 pounds. <laughs> we want our cake and to eat it too. Max, delete and- that. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and delete that, Max. <laughs> okay, so there is the trail bikes from the field test. So next week, we're going to talk about enduro bikes with Casimir. Kaz, what enduro bikes did you, just as a little preview, what enduro bikes are we going to talk about next week? Let's see, we've got the propane spin drift. Um, we have Norco Shore. There's a bike we can't talk about. And what are the bikes do I have? The Rocky Mountain Altitude and the Trek Slash. Nice. Okay, I'm going to start putting some questions together there for you. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our field test. Well, the trail bikes anyway. And we're going to wrap it up with Comment Gold, like always. And the first one comes from Solo Rider 13. This was on the Stump Jumper field test. He says, this thing looks great. Specialized is trying to convert the haters with stupid gimmicks like nice bikes, corporate swine, he says. <laughs> the, the roller coaster Specialized has done in the comments this week. Going I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty impressive right now if you look at their lineup. Not to be a corporate shill here, but Epic, Epic Evo, Stump Jumper, Stump Jumper Evo, Enduro, and Demo. That's a pretty impressive spread. They've been busy. Yeah, like that's really impressive. (laughs) They're all really light. (laughs) Good work, guys. Uh, The next one is from Sam Taylor, 1983. This was on the Field Test Roundtable article. He says, I'm more a bike enthusiast. What's the difference between a rocket ship and a spaceship? And did not send it replies, a rocket ship is designed to excel at overcome planetary gravity using thrust to escape orbit. This is very topical right now, actually. Whilst being equally capable of travel once out of orbit, a spaceship is designed to excel at traveling once out of orbit, whilst being equally capable of overcoming planetary gravity using thrust to escape orbit. Then you've got upstellar, downstellar... (laughs) I see where he went and cross stellar. Although the spacesuits are rather snug. That was a good one. Took a while to yeah. get there, but good did not yeah. send it. That was good. That was, yeah. That was clever. <laughs> was like, where's he going? I don't read these before I read them. So I don't know where they're, I don't know if they're going to be good or not. <laughs> and our last one, this is on that uh, carbon specialized kids bike. This is Bach CZ. He says, where's the SWAT box? I don't want to spend a grand on it and carry the diapers in my hand instead of it. I agree, Specialized. Where's the SWAT box on the Carbon Kids bike? Jeez. So <laughs> It's not even room. S-Works, too. Like, oh, yeah. What the heck? Because there's going to be an S-Works version coming out. Yeah. What would it have? Kids room S-Works. A sippy cup holder. For sure. Carbon sippy cup yeah. holder. I think the entire, the entire frame would be a sippy cup. And if you guys want some more funny comments, check out that Specialized Hot Walk article, because there are a ton of them in there, obviously. And that... Is it for today, episode 34. Uh, Remember to give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, but make sure it's five out of five chili peppers or stars or whatever it is. Otherwise, don't even bother giving us the rating. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.